Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. We back at it, home, run radio. Chuck Dizzle, DJ Head. Let's go. Hey, look, we got this. is This is not just a special guest, right? No, this Ooh. is the homie. This is day one. Family. This is. I mean, we can get with the <laughs> official introduction, the radio personality, TV host slash author slash. Hey. I, well, she gonna probably have another title before she leaves here. Yeah. The one and only, our family, Dev, Debbie, Dev, Debbie Brown. I mean, Debbie Brown. Debbie Brown. Let's get it right. Yeah, new brand. New, new brand. brand. New brand. Debbie, Debbie Brown. 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 New year, new <laughs> New brand, the new artist her. formerly known as Debbie Dev. Appreciate you coming on through. It's been a long. You know, this is the first time we've actually recorded all together at one time. You know that, right? Really? Yeah. Is it? This is the first time we've probably wow. done stuff like on camera on some side, but the yeah. official like show type shit. Because when me and you, Dev, when we were at K Day, uh huh. Head wasn't officially in the building, but he was in the building. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, he was getting snuck in after yeah, hours. Yeah, exactly. And and that's funny because you were sneaking him in. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You know what? <laughs> I want to say this too before um, before we get too far into it. Dev actually is the one who used to sneak me into the radio station when I wanted to learn how to work the boards and shit. And I would just I just wanted to watch. It was like Saturday, yeah, weekend shift or something. And she's like, yeah, come through. And then like, let's walk this way because I don't know who in the office. And we used yeah, to walk the long. Like, who are you bringing right, into the studio? You can't right. have people around the equipment. Yeah, so I would just come in there and I would look. She took pictures of me and all kind of shit. She could have lost her <laughs> fucking you job. You should have been doing shit. I should not have been doing. Shout out to my friend Dev. Yeah, Aww. man. And, and I just wanted to learn. Yeah, I mean, and, and that goes to show. Like I, I love the way the progression has been throughout the years, but definitely from day one. I mean, you, you've been somebody that we're just proud of. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> just to see what you've been doing, what you've been able to do, and what we what I really want to talk about is a lot of the risks that you took throughout the years mm. to get where you are now and how you constantly do that throughout the years and you know why you know what I mean um, well can I just say first of all hey I'm happy to be here I'm, thank you when I was driving up here the whole time I was like god like we might accidentally talk for three hours <laughs> it might be some because there's yeah. so much, so much shit, yeah. and like the three of us have so much history but also history like in different kind of ways Absolutely. like we have radio history but yeah. also just being on the front lines of like the New West movement right. and, and, you know, 
shine getting that back on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Like we got war stories. Yeah. We got war stories Wounds, of crazy man. radio adventures. Both Absolutely. of us, you know, on the come up and, and learning the game. And you and me got crazy yeah, stories. Yeah. More so on like the, the music side yeah. in the streets. Like back <laughs> when you was doing know, bobblehead videos. You and used bobblehead. To be in the, <laughs> hey, let's not wow. talk about that one. Bobblehead. Wow. <laughs> Dev, Dev used to be in the streets yeah. for real. Like I remember yeah. you being Oof. like off a stalker and like Crenshaw <laughs> and like at right. the studio with the homies. Like Dev used to be in the yeah. streets. But it, it was wasn't a- always, you know, it's crazy like our and I feel like all of us came up in such like a magical time that that doesn't really exist right now. You know, there's going to be other magical times for everybody grinding it out right now, but we were in this sweet spot of no can we cuss on here? Absolutely. Yeah. Just in case I accidentally say something. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say some shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to say some shit. shit. <laughs> like we all came up in this moment in time where nobody was fucking with the West Coast. At all. Exactly. Like, Game had came out and he killed it and then it was a desert for years. And nobody, not only were they not checking for the music, but it was just like this hunger and a desire to make people understand the talent we had here and you know that's how we all came up under so many artists that are now like massive deals you know Um, and and built relationships that just kind of surpassed the industry I think um, one of the one of my memories is like when we were all like we were all together and we was all just trying to figure it out and I remember I remember asking you like you know what like what are we doing like and you was like I don't know, but we doing it. Like, <laughs> like what year do you think this was? This shit, this shit had to be like two thousand eight and nine. Wow, was it eight or nine? Yeah, probably seven, eight. Six, yeah, six. Oh, eight, seven, or two thousand seven, eight. Yeah, something like that. And I was just like, and I was like. I was just trying to be on. Like, yeah. I ain't gonna lie. I was you trying to be in the video. You trying to pop. I was trying to be in the video. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't fucking know what was going right. on. I just knew that I was broke and I didn't want to be. Yeah. And like, yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's some real shit, though. Yeah, for real. Um, but, but yeah, like, we were like in the streets in the sense yeah. that like, you know, like things weren't as glamorous, I think, as they are now. Nah, nah, um, nah. We definitely didn't there have. There definitely was not documenting of everything. Like, we had MySpace pages, but Man, my people didn't really have cams. digital cameras like right. that. Yeah, you was you was on if you had a flip cam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the flip cam. <laughs> shit. So we were like man. some of the first documenters, like in this new millennial way of of getting the movement out. And we'd be at, I mean, like all the shows, like the shows, the random spots in Linwood and Long Beach, yeah. and like Paramount. I'm talking like gutter little spots. clubs. Yeah, yeah like, I was gonna say I think that's terrible. the first spot I remember. And that's the only that's I know we've probably seen each other plenty of times. That's the first time I actually officially remember meeting you. It was some spot in Linwood. Mm. I don't know who it was I think it was the G Malone show. It was something that was going on. But I remember, oh, that's Deb. That's that's the ones all the homies are talking about. That's yeah. from Zombie Radio. You know <laughs> from what I'm Zombie Radio. Fucking Woo! radio. That's and a and, and with the thing that I that I respected about you at that time was you were one of the people that you can tell, and we were all in that space of loving terrestrial radio right yeah. you know what I'm saying loving 92.3 the beat loving yeah. power 106 at the time yeah. even though for me I, and I always I always put this out there like I felt like at that time when you were growing up you had to pick you had to pick power 106 yeah, you had it was to pick like the a gang. beat yeah. it was a gang and, and I fell on the side of the beat not you know and it was no 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 sides like that, but it was like I 
listen to John Lennon in the house party. I listen right. to, to Theo. I listen to, uh, you know, obviously Julio G. You know, the only person that I, at that time that I fucked with over at, at Power was Big Boy and then the Goodfellas. Like, yeah. that was in the Baker Boys before they took their transition out. But I say all that to say we were really in the grid of trying to figure out what it was and we had the respect of our peers at that time yeah. to kind of usher us into it. You know, me interning at the beat and then mm-hmm. you having your start with uh, the Goodfellas. Yeah. So, it was it was this kind of moment too where at that point because like things changed so rapidly in like really a five year time span the way that we consume music the way right. that we share ourselves Hell as yeah. personalities like the game completely changed Change, yeah. in, in this really small micro generation of time um, but at the time that we were coming up it was like you had your really iconic personalities that were still on the radio but they were kind of disconnected from and I know everyone always says this but they were kind of disconnected from like the streets Absolutely. in the sense that there was this bubbling new thing that was happening that really nobody knew knew about, about, you know, and, and we were some of the first people that were kind of like in that and on that and sharing that, you know, I remember like I used to back when, you know, you'd really have like physical mixtapes and stuff. Like (laughs) there was not blogs (laughs) like at that time, like nobody was putting music up via blogs. There was dub CNN and West coast writers. You had the forum and shit like that. But really only like a select few knew about that and how to get those music. It It was was like a a cult. The West coast was a cult. The new West was a cult and there were not, there were not really many people who had um, status plugged into it that had like these big platforms and so I remember like I used to just collect all the mixtapes and Mm -hmm. then like send them to people like just on like GP like you gotta know what's happening out here like we haven't fallen off like I know you you were definitely very vocal about about how our music scene was because I know I was like a lot of us that come from this class like we were like it's West everything. Oh, my yeah. God. And it was like, right. See, but, and, and it's funny because, like, since I've now since worked at radio and other markets, like, a lot of, like, maybe my following doesn't know that. Yeah. But it was like, when I look back, like, right. I was looking through pictures recently. There was not one picture where I wasn't, like. Going up the dub. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not in every picture. Yeah. Like, you know, like, well, it used to be, like, I really felt so protective about West Coast culture that yeah. I thought it was 96 again. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you don't mess with Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> let it be known. Let it be, let it you be don't be mess known. with the West Coast. You know like, I would be ready to right. fight. Be, because <laughs> there was, I mean, a lot of people, like you said, it was it was dry not only in the industry, but dry really out here. I mean, there, there were no real shows. Like, these major major yeah. uh, venues weren't letting shows in. And then you had to deal with all that. And then, like, for me, what happened was I would go visit my cousins in different areas or whatever. They would call in and tap into me and ask me who's the artist that's popping out. And I let them know what's going on. They're like, we don't know nothing about that. Yeah, and you yeah. got, all you guys got is Dre, Snoop, and that's it. Like, yeah. And so it, it was like more or less like, no, we got to prove you, prove you, prove that we have some shit going on. My thing is, how did you, how did you actually put the word out there prior to doing the internship, like with with uh, the, the Goodfellas? Like when you, like for me, okay, I did it with people that I worked with, right? There was a certain amount of circle of people that I worked with and we knew all about the dub CNNs <laughs> and shit like that. Yeah. But getting that word out there prior to, you know, really social media bubbling, aside from telling people and sending mixtapes, how did you, how were you vocal in, in telling people that you wanted to be a personality at that point in time? Um, I mean, there, like, there's so much that I feel like I have to 
always wrap into the into the arms of the universe mm-hmm. and just like divine timing because that's really what so much of my life is boiled down to is divine timing right. like I've always worked my ass off and had a really strong work ethic mm-hmm. I grew up as the only child we moved around constantly so mm-hmm. like at every juncture of school like um, you know levels of school I was always starting a new school around Southern California so that inbred in me a certain level of fearlessness mm-hmm. like a certain level of not worried what other people thought or it's okay to be by yourself. Like, you don't have to always be surrounded by people. Like, it gave me a certain, like, nomad quality where I could just pick up and move in any way. Um, And so that was a big part of it. You know, all the areas that you were growing up in, too. I mean, you you grew up in different, like, from Watts to West Covina to... Absolutely, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, people always are like, oh, so so where? And I'm like, okay, how much time do you got? You know, because at different moments of my life, I lived everywhere from the Valley to Hollywood to... Santa Monica to Venice to West LA to Azusa went mm. to school in West Covina wow. to Pasadena Alhambra Watts like a lot of different places wrapped up in who I was and just my access to culture and different types of people that that make up this melting pot of Los Angeles yeah. um, but when I was in college it really started uh, out with a great friend of mine named Tony Price and he was one of the most remarkable people I'd ever met um, he he had already graduated college, but he was still kind of around. I went to Cal State Northridge. Northridge, okay. Go Matadors. Um, And there used to be this poetry night, and he was the host of it. Mm. And it was a night that changed my life, because growing up, I was obsessed with Big Boy. I was Mm. obsessed with Theo, with Julio G. Like, they were the most mind-blowingly like right. amazing representations ever to me and I, I used to sleep with a radio in my bed mm. I had this hot pink <laughs> it said like kids boom or something wow. like that like <laughs> And I would sleep with it. And I would listen to all the underground hip-hop shows at night. I would wake up, sit in traffic for an hour to go to school and listen to Big Boy. Um, So I I always knew I wanted to touch people through media. Mm -hmm. But I thought I'd be more a behind-the-scenes person than in front of the mic or in front of the camera person. So when I went to school, when I went to college, I went to college for broadcast journalism. I'm at this poetry night and the guy on stage says you know I'm about to start an internet talk show anybody want to be down Mm, hell yeah right and at that time and I know internet talk show now it's like internet you know talk show everybody can do that I have my own this I have my own that not at all this is like oh three you know what I mean like this is oh four like this is that didn't exist we still had dial up modems like you know what I mean like she was fucked up you was privileged if you had speakers on my computer like (laughs) damn so at that time I was just like oh that sounds cool so I remember afterwards I just said I'm down what can I do how can I be down you know that was kind of like my mantra of my teens and early 20s how can I be down what can I do what can I do yeah Um, and so I kind of started showing up at his setup and he had this radio show on the internet and we started building this kind of little following you mm-hmm. know and and we started throwing parties on like you know in Santa Monica and on Sunset Boulevard like for the show we kind of built this this little tribe yeah. of people that like to hear this show and from there we started this other show called Zombie Radio Man. which was all about underground hip hop and at, yeah. you know at this time we rented like a little studio space and we're just like we're doing it for the culture yeah. and you know we had of course like your 
Crooked Eyes. We yeah, had, yeah. you know, J-Rock, Maestro, Glasses, Cronzon, Strong Arm Steady. Like, we had a lot of really, like, incredible people. And I remember we had J-Rock on in the interview. Like, of course, K-Dot's there, but he's yep. just chilling, chilling watching back, right? J-Rock. Watching like, J-Rock, yeah. all right, this is how you do it, you yeah. know? And, and so it was this really special moment. So that's initially what kind of put that battery in my back. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And at that time, especially, I mean... It was rare. I was a woman, mm-hmm. you know, a girl. Anyway, yeah, no, right <laughs> I was a I was a young woman moving in this world, and that gave me a lot of access because that wasn't happening at all. So that gave me a chance to really stand out and really like figure out like who and how I wanted to be and how to grow this. Mm-hmm. And from there, I, I used to always listen to the Goodfellas on Power 106. And they are just two of the most incredible men I've ever been blessed That's to great. know, Romeo and DJ. And I sent them a MySpace message, wow. you know, because I had that like battery in my like back. A DM. Yeah, yeah. Damn, it was old school DM. Old school DM. DM. Like, yeah, right. I had a message. Because I had heard that this new radio station, K-Day, had started, mm-hmm. you know, and they left power and went to K-Day. And so I started listening to it, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to just try. And so I sent them, you know, one of those kind of now cliche, like, messages, like, I'll get your coffee, like, whatever, whatever. you need. Yeah. Like, how can I be down? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's funny is that that's not so cliche if you think about it. Like, a lot of people, and me and Head talk about this, too, a lot of people that are trying to intern nowadays, Hell they yeah. have a sense of entitlement. Like, oh my God, yeah. it is ridiculous. Like, thinking about the things that I would have done or I did to get into radio, like walking my, my resume up to power, walking it to the beat, yeah. walking to whatever stations would take it without, before even calling, just going up there to say, hey, what can I do to be inside this building? So you had that intuition and know-how back then, but it doesn't happen now like that. But you know what I think the difference is between us and some of the people we've encountered today? Because I don't want to generalize. But I think a lot of people are willing to do the step of like putting themselves out there with a message to say, oh, I really admire you. Can you can I learn from you? I'll intern. I'll be your assistant. But they look at working with you in an internship capacity as how can you help me reach my dream versus how can I aid you so that I have the right to come and learn from you and soak up information, you know? And And that's the biggest thing because my job, if I have an intern or someone that wants to shadow me, my my destiny isn't wrapped up in helping you achieve your dreams. Mm-hmm. That will happen that, right. if you stay close. Right, yeah. I'm going to always help you, and I'm going to always try to. I'm not going to waste your time. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, oh, do all this stuff I don't feel like doing. Yeah. I'm going to always let you learn from me. But you need to figure out how you are necessary and valuable and can excel what I am already doing. Hell yeah. And by doing that, you get the luxury of being able to learn from me for free. What do you think the disconnect is now? Well, not, not just now, but in general, when people do that, when that disconnect happens, I think everything is so visible that, like, when we were grinding and when we were broke as hell, like mm-hmm. sharing a Del Taco yeah. burrito, yeah. you know what I mean? I remember all that shit. We <laughs> nobody saw that At part all. of things, right? Well, you could still pull it together to be in front of people mm-hmm. because we weren't documenting all of our lives in the way that is now kind of required or at least standard. Yeah. And so I think for us, there wasn't a fear at starting from.
from the bottom, I felt proud to shine in my grind. Yeah. Like I, I used to run around and be like, I'm an intern. Yeah, yeah. I'm an intern for the Goodfellas. Like, got an internship. Uh, I'm on. Another day at the office, Absolutely. you know, and I felt grateful right. for the experience. And I think now it's like you have interns that are telling people they're not an intern. They're like, oh, I'm a radio personality. Right. And it's right. like, not yeah. yet. Yeah. Hold you on. can be. <laughs> right. Not yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I and I think it's really just that for for some of the younger people, there is this real anxiety of not wanting to be seen as not already having it together because so much of who they are is documented. Yeah. And we didn't really have that stress. But I don't think, I think for the most part, like when I think it's a good and a bad thing because I think it's a good thing because it weeds out the bullshit. Like, like when, like we always talk, but we have interns and even at homegrown, like at our, at our studio and we, we have people and we just tell them straight up, like, Hey, you want to fuck with us? Come through. Just yeah. pull up. Just pull up. That's it. We don't ask them to take out no trash. We don't ask them to bring no food. Pull up. Yeah. If they pull up consistently, okay, what do you want to do? What, do you, what are you trying to do? What are you looking for? What are you looking at? What do you want to get out of this situation? Even the interns we have now, well, actually people that have moved up from internships, shout out to Lupe. Man, one time. Um, it's like, okay, now that you're here, what is it that you want to get from this? So that yeah. way we can deliver to you what it is that you need. Experience, knowledge, game, right. wisdom, whatever it is. And then what's crazy is a lot of people don't know. <clears throat> yeah. They don't but, have- and, and that's okay because at a certain time in your life, like you don't have to know everything. Mm-hmm. But you do got to show up for yourself. Like yeah, I'm a yeah. big fan of telling people like explore every avenue. When I was interning for the Goodfellas, I also interned at Interscope and Universal, mm-hmm. which probably maybe was not allowed yeah. to work in radio Hell and no. the label. Right. But no, that shit wasn't allowed. Got it, nigga. You know, it gave me it gave me a cut above everybody else yeah. because I understood the dynamics of everything involved, and it taught me how to really move mm-hmm. and how to really create relationships in all facets of the industry. You know, um and I think when I walked into my internship with the Goodfellas from day 1, I was like, how can I help them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what what do they need that I can do so that I can make their life easier and they'll let me keep coming around, Hell you yeah. know? Yeah, I need for the privilege <laughs> the opportunity to be in the room. And access. I was so poor and I remember I had like an extra $10. I was like, I'll just eat less this week. Mm. And I went to Staples and I bought binders and I bought dividers and I stayed up all night. I printed out their pictures. This is so corny now, but I printed out their pictures and I put one on a binder and one binder was for Romeo. One binder was for DJ. I put like note paper in there. I put, you know, a divider that said interviews, a divider that said, you know, commercials. Like, Damn. and I was like, I'm going to help them stay organized so they could do their job great. So, you know, I'm like going into the office with my binders like, Bruh. okay, guys, this is what I think, you know. Know? And and they loved that. They Absolutely. were blown away by that. Absolutely. And they appreciated that my MO was to make them look good and not just make myself look right. good. You know, yeah. not just make myself look good so I can go have my own thing and now be the star. It was like I knew how to pay my dues. I knew for the next year, the next two years, I'm grinding and it is all about how to help you mm. so that I can set myself up. And you that know? came from one to always be behind the scenes anyway. That wasn't yeah. like to, for one to shine. It was like I literally want to, to, to help out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it, one thing that, that fucked me up years ago when we were working at uh, at K-Day, I remember, first of all, I remember my, my interview there. And <laughs> Dev, because I, I, I got I got hip to being on the street team, right? Yeah. And that was, that was, just to kind of give people context, I had worked for the beat for some time, worked there for three years, the station did what it did, folded, this that's radio, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It transitioned to a different uh, format. 
Which that was devastating that was, the city, hurt. can I just say? Because that it hurt. that radio station was like a living, breathing being. It was like a soul. It, it was wasn't stable, just man. nah. It was a corporation. It, and, and even me going into it working for one hundred point three the beat, knowing some of the people that worked there as ninety two point three the beat, that was for me, that was my rites of passage. Like being yeah. able to walk into that same building and see the same spot where Biggie did his last freestyle in LA. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Me interning man. in that studio. Like I, I get chills still thinking about that so being, being able to walk down those halls or being in that building that was amazing so you're, you're absolutely right now always that's that's the reason why i got into radio like up late night listening to you know all the radio personalities on that station so to be able to work for that station and they end up closing it was it was heartbreaking you know yeah. what i mean and at that point i'm like i'm i'm cool i did what i wanted to do in radio i got a chance to be on air in los angeles I'm, I'm content. But when this opportunity for, for K-Day came around, and I remember those days of the first sweepers and, uh, you know, Julio G going to be on, on K-Day. Like, I, I was just amazed. And I was I was still working at the beat at the time. Like, yo, this new station is going to be a fucking problem, right? <laughs> so I, I do what I could to try to get over there. Things didn't work out. But I had a friend of mine who, uh, shout out to the homegirl D, she was a promotions coordinator over there. And she was like, hey, I went to Long Beach State with her. She's like, hey, you know what? I know you do radio would you be interested in working street team for K-Day? Yes. Long story short, I end up going to the interview and see you out there and I'm 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 actually um auditioning to for be on street to team. be on a street team and Dev was one of the people I uh, auditioned for, right? Oh so, shit. Wow, I'm, I forgot yeah, that. I'm over there hyping the crowd. They have like a mock oh, yeah. setup. Yeah, we have, have a mock setup, setup downstairs with like a speaker and a right. mic. Oh serious? my God, yeah. yeah. I auditioned wow. to be a part of the K-Day street team and Dev was there and at the end she was like, yo, you did an amazing job. Like, keep keep doing your shit. Damn. Right. So at this point, I think we had already met. I think we had already met through, you know, obviously the streets and all Being that. Being the streets. Right. So <laughs> that was already like, and it wasn't, I can tell it wasn't like a, hey, I just know you, so I'm going to hook you up type thing. But I think you put in a good word, obviously, with, with me getting in there. So anyway, I ended up working there for some time and we walked to, I want to say Quiznos or whatever was down the street at the time. And this is how I knew you were on a different path, right? You were like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do with this opportunity? And I was so fucked up by that. I just wanted to be in the building. Yeah. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. But I just want to be in the building. That shit right there. And I don't think I ever told you that. That shit wow. changed the course of my career because it was like, you got to have a fucking plan. Figure out what the fuck you want to do because that's going to take you to that next step. And me not being prepared in that. I think I said, I was like, I think I even said, I don't know or some shit like that. But and you were you were, you were kind about it. You were like, yeah, we'll figure it out. You know, you know, we just had a powwow. But that right there was like, okay, that shit. You have to really know where you want to go in, in your career because that's going to dictate the next step and the next opportunity yeah. and things of that nature. So you were always one to have like three or four steps ahead of what was going on. Mm. So for you at that point, fast forward. I definitely want to get into this because that the whole bullshit with K Day going. You know, going down or, or you know you getting fired over there that shit was fucking heartbreaking too right I, you, I, I told you the story right yeah, I remember this is some bullshit so these motherfuckers right this is okay fuck it we gonna get into it so hold on we, I wanna know what story you know yeah, th- well this is cause this, I might have a little bit of a you different have, take no you're gonna have a, you're definitely gonna have a different take and I wanna get your, your side of what's going on too okay so we they, they call this big meeting right at the station so hey, everybody come up, come down. We're gonna have a big, uh, big station meeting. We're gonna figure out what's going on. Blah blah blah. blah. They, 
they have two sets of meetings. And this is my introduction as to mm. how fucked up yeah. radio and politics were, right? They have two sets of meetings. And they told, I'm thinking everybody's supposed to come there at one time. So they said, come there at 1130. We get there at 1130. And I see Dev and I see other people packing boxes and crying. I'm like, oh, oh shit. shit, it's going down. Yeah. Okay, well, we're, we're, we're obviously the next set of people. They're going to tell <laughs> that this shit is folding. This shit I know how it is. They're going to tell us the station just got, it's collapsed. They're going to yeah. go to a different mark, whatever. So we go in there. After like, the first meeting. After the first meeting. <laughs> It's about nine, maybe ten of us in there. I said, okay, hey, guys, I uh, just wanted to let you know uh, we're moving in a di- different direction, X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. You guys are the only one to stand. Everybody in this room. Everybody, everybody in this room is staying. What the fuck do you mean everybody in the – what about everybody else? Oh, yeah, we're going to go in a different direction, blah, 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 blah. And from there, like, everything just went numb. I'm like, what the fuck? This is fucking – I, I I was speechless at that moment. Yeah. And to be able to, at that point, to to be able to confront you or talk to you, it was devastating. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, because your, yeah. your friend, somebody that helped you get into the building, you know what I'm saying, that, that you respect in this game is now outside the shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it was hard to, de- it was really hard to deal with that because that was my first, like, wake up call to, yo, this shit is, this shit a, is yeah. it's a fucked up This shit is real. You know, I think. <sighs> So, first of all, that was one of the most depressing time periods in my life. Um, But let me start from the top before I get to that. So, you know, what was interesting at that time of working for K-Day, and it's a different place now than it was then. We were in, it was like a boot camp for what, like how many things can go wrong. Yeah. You know, in in your career, in your and this is all before like I was twenty five. Yeah. You know, and it was like this crash course in business, in haters, yeah. in yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in in so many things. And my experience there, it was my first terrestrial radio station I ever worked at. It started off as the best experience of my life. Like when I'm interning with the Goodfellas, like we are on a high. Yeah. You know, like. Theo had come on, mm-hmm. one of my biggest idols in life, and was the program director. He yeah. is the first person that ever said, stop just being behind the scenes. I want to put you on air. Wow. You know, he he was like, I remember he called me in his office and he was just like, I really like your voice and I really like your presence. Starting Monday, quit your other job because you're going to do the traffic for the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Get and what were you doing here. before that? Oh, God. So at that time, and I actually super lucked up, um, I was still going to college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wow. I was still in school. And I had a day job. Um, I had a few different gigs. Like, first, I got a job that I worked from midnight till seven in the morning at a call center so that I could have enough time to intern. So that when I got out of school, I could like get a ride to LA and do my internship. And then I would, I would come in before the Goodfellas started so I could learn from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be there for them. And I did that for like a year. And I existed off maybe like three hours of sleep every day for a year. My car had broke down. So it took me like Damn. three hours to to get home every day. It was a lot. It was wait, a crazy wait, wait. Let's time. Let's put this in perspective. <laughs> so you work at this call center from 12 to 7 a.m. Yeah. 12 midnight to 7 a.m. Yeah. And this call center is where? Uh, it was in 
right off of Venice. Was okay. that like West LA? Like yeah. West yeah. LA. So at like that point, national yeah. off the ten. You get off at seven a.m. and go home and sleep for a couple, just a little bit, or you go straight to yeah. the station. In some cases, I know you were going straight to the station well, too. So that was another year of hardship that happened okay. after this internship. So while I was still interning, um, I would usually try to crash with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, in Northridge so that I could wake up and go to class and then I would go to the station and then yeah and at that time like I had to give up my apartment because you know I'm like I'm going after this internship so I gave up my apartment and I moved back in with my mom who was living more towards the IE at the time so imagine trying to leave like Wilshire Boulevard I'm I'm trying to put it in perspective of this and go to the valley like in the course of a day to go from the IE to the valley to Wilshire Boulevard Bruh. and then try to go be down at all these shows yeah. like be was, seen or be, be in the midst of what's going on it was a hustle it was only God that wow. saved me because I, I used to be so tired that I would be on the freeway and I would hallucinate oh my God. and I would see things and I'd be like ah like you know it, it was a crazy time wow. then um, I talked to Theo and he was like okay quit your other job God, right Oh, wait, no, before that, I had found that I did so much. It just it gets convoluted. So I'll just get I'll fast forward. I'll tell that another day. Um, Theo's like, quit your job. I want you to start doing the weather and the traffic for the Steve Harvey morning show. I need you at work because it was syndicated at that time. So he was like, I need you at work by 430 in the morning. Shit. Every day. So you got the cost is a wrap. You got to be done with that. Yeah. So I had to find another gig. Mm and so, and then it kind of helped because I had got hit by a car, and then I ended up getting like whoa, 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 some insurance money, God and so damn. that helped me a little bit, you know. She just blew past. Right, right. Like, I yeah. just got hit by a car. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. There's so much to this that I just have to try to. Goodness <laughs> gracious! So you start doing the weather and the traffic. So I start doing the weather and the traffic, and it was, you know, it was your typical like, "Hey, Los Angeles, right. you know, today is going to be 35 and 35, yeah, 105 nah. and sunny, yeah. and there's traffic on the 405 freeway currently, and da 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 da." And so what I would do was I would read because I had to do that at the top of every hour. Mm -hmm. So I would do it at the top of the hour. I would set my alarm for 35 minutes and then I would lay on the floor under the studio panel and sleep. And then my alarm would go off and I would wake up. I would do the next one. And I would do that for four to five hours in a row. And so then I would leave the show and I would go. I had changed to night classes. I would go to work. I mean, I would go. Yeah, I would go to work. Then I would go to school. Then I would try to come back for the Goodfellas night show because I still wanted to learn from them mm. and have a chance to know how to do like radio, have access to the guests, like, you know, do that. And I did that for a year. Then, <laughs> you know, at that time, K-Day was kind of chaotic, like it switched owners hands. Mm. Like, I think we went through three different owners, three different general managers, um, three different PDs. And at that time, um, can I just th- say I hated the name ninety three point five the beat FM. I oh yeah, the fuck I hated <laughs> that fucking name for so long. And, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. keep going. Yeah, but that's so, rough. It get rough. Yeah, that shit was even tricky. in that chaos. There was a lot of beauty for me because it gave me the chance to rise in the ranks really fast. Mm-hmm. So by the age of twenty two, it's like, oh, I just got promoted to music New director, director, which is oh, and huge. I'm promotions director. Yeah. Oh, and I'm a you know I'm a part time talent. Oh, right. and I'm this you know, and so I. I was able to finally work there for really, really cheap, um, and but quit my other job so I could work there 15 hours a day. Right, you know, right, right. Um, so flash forward when when all of that happened, it was so bizarre because not to like build myself up, 
but I was working there all day. I was the the glue of the station. Absolutely. And then so many people that had ended up getting hired there were like people that I like plugged in. Yeah. Exactly. So it was like it was very strange and and the real reason I got let go and I'm not going to get too much into it and I'm not going to say names, but I had someone that worked at that station that I was best friends with that I like loved to my core. Mm-hmm. And I thought we were both two women who were grinding it out and supporting each other. We both had dreams to be on air. So we were like you know, if I had a hookup, I was more popping in the streets than her at the time, but she was so talented. Right, like, yeah, she's right, right. one of the best radio voices. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I was more popping at that time because it was just my moment. Right. You know, I, I had done a lot of other stuff in underground hip hop and things were coming into fruition and I just had the relationships. And I didn't know in the course of our friendship for the few years that we worked together there that she had begun to like really hate me because of it like on a very like almost sinister deep level Mm. of I want you to fail in life so I can feel okay wow that's crazy so what I didn't know I'm just walking around happy-go-lucky at the station working hard as you know and then plugging people in and I didn't know that for an entire year before that while pretending to be my friend and staying over at the house, we're going to events together. She was alienating me from everybody in the building. Um, at least many of the women mm-hmm. and like making up stories about me saying that I was a hater and that I tried to like push her down and I try to make sure people don't win and like wow. all of this stuff. And wow. then like made up many lies about my behavior, things that I might be doing mm-hmm. that never happened, you know, in the industry. And what I didn't know was that her and the HR person had become best friends. And because we at that time were not owned by like a corporation, it was a privately owned company, there weren't as many checks and balances. Mm-hmm. So that HR person was like padding my file. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, Padded shit. my file. So with, they was putting dirt on you that you didn't even. That didn't, that I had no clue about because I'm just working hard every day and I'm thinking that I'm like an asset and I'm getting stuff done. And so they, and this was like a year long plot and plan conspiracy. And so one day I look up and I was like delegating to somebody and they had like an attitude with me. And this is somebody that I had like got an internship for because she had hit me on MySpace, right, just like right. I did the Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got her in the building and she had like this really like, I know energy. Right. The energy was bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I pulled her outside. I was like, what's the deal? I was like, you know, I brought you in, so I don't understand what this energy is. And she ended up breaking down and telling me what the girl had been doing for the past year, all this different stuff. And like I was devastated. Mm-hmm. Like I, I cried like I had broke up with a dude. Yeah, like yeah. you know because I like I really care about people if right. you're my friend yeah, and, and I just I couldn't fathom that level of betrayal mm-hmm. and so it was devastating and then it just so happened that like the next week the station got sold. <laughs> so you know how it goes when you get new people in. Mm-hmm. They don't know how hard you worked and they don't care. Right. So every time you get someone new that comes in as a boss, you have to reprove yourself. Yeah, yeah. Right. That gets exhausting if you're really putting in the work right. because I had done that four times. Right. It's you like, know? How many times do I got to prove myself? Shit. So when this new company came in and bought the company, they just got in an office with the HR person who I got to say now does not work in HR or radio. Mm. <laughs> um, but they got in the office with her 
and they're like, okay, we need to cut the fat. Who do we need to let go of? What are we doing? Well, the first file that comes out, I found uh, out is mine. Uh, you know, shit. so anybody that that woman and and also the other person that conspired with her did not like, this was the prime moment for them to assassinate everybody, everybody. right? Wow. So a lot of the people that ended up on that first chopping block were either people they viewed that they could do without, maybe the job, you know, someone else could absorb it, but it was also people that they didn't want around. Wow. People and, that wasn't at the cool kids table. Yeah, and I found all this <laughs> out later. And so, you know, and I remember that day... And I, I got to shout out one of my best friends in the world, Adrian Scott, who is still the PD at K-Day um, mm-hmm. and has done incredible things with K-Day and with concerts and with Absolute everyone. AD, yeah. He, I mean, he's been one of my biggest champions for years and one of the people that has consistently given me probably the most opportunities of my life. That's amazing. And he, um, you know, and I remember that morning, he knew it was going to happen. But he couldn't do anything about right, it. Right, and right. he was devastated. Yeah. And I walked in like, what's going to happen today? And he was like, look, Dev, whatever happens, just stay strong and, and know that no matter what, I got you and you'll bounce back. And I was like, like what, what is he talking about? What are you talking about? You know, because in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm if, I, if okay. I run the promotions department, I'm the music director. I'm the person that gets the 3 a.m. call to come in and fix the station yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. Like, I'm good. I'm the one that yeah, you can't possibly anything, get rid of. right, right. right. Well, everybody is disposable, but I I walked in and, you know, they let us go and and that was it. And then I had heard that that person who I looked at as my best friend was like, ha ha, I don't know how she going to survive now. How's she going to pay her rent? She'll never work in radio. Yes. You know, and, and I found out that she specifically felt like if I existed, she couldn't shine. Wow. And it's just and I think it's really important for anybody listening right now to know, like, even if you feel overlooked at a job. The universe works in a multitude of ways. And as long as you know you're giving life, your career, whatever, the best effort, you will always be covered. And you'll always be elevated when it's your time. Hell yeah. That just happened to be my moment. Right. It didn't mean it was always going to be my moment. And it didn't mean that you couldn't win because I was having a moment. Everybody gets a moment. Yeah. At you some know? point in time, yeah. Um, and then to flash forward, but it just, you know, I was I was in a deep depression. I didn't work for two months. Mm-hmm. I didn't have money like that. Right. Like, you know, I have my apartment in the valley. I didn't know, like, what to do. I was surviving by helping artists write bios mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and doing like some lightweight consulting because I had so many relationships at labels and whatnot and AD helped me stay afloat you know Mm -hmm. there were many times that because he respected my work with him so much and knew that I was a genuine person would cut me a check and just be like here's a hundred dollars pay one of your bills you know what I mean and and he would try to to help me by saying like hey hey I need somebody to you know he would still like have me on selector on the low like (laughs) doing you know scheduling music and You know, it, it helped me still feel confident in what I could do. Like, one of my great friends, Mar Brown, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah salute um, to Mar. You know, he he used to be like, uh, you know, he would give me, like, little work to do and so that he could pay me. So that I, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, poor you. Right, You're yeah, so pitiful. Right, right, Here's right, so much. Check, yeah, it's like, no, he was like, come on, Dev, I'm going to put you to work. Like, I need you to do this, this, and this. Or he'd be like, we lived very close to each other at the time. He'd be like, hey, can you come by and watch the kids, like, for date night? Yeah. And then, like, he would, like, sneak money into my purse before I left, you know? Because wow. I'd be like, no, you don't have to pay me. Like, right, no, it's right. all good. Like, I'm just chilling. And he would, like, sneak money into my purse before I left to make sure I could eat, you know? Um, people, and then, people look out. Yeah. And then flash forward again, um, 
the station you know, you start noticing that things are falling apart if the one person who was doing everything that isn't was, there. That motherfucker was crumbling. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there holding on, like, oh, shit. This shit going down. There were certain things There's that, that things. I did that weren't getting done. There you know, a lot of things. Your FCC filings, your, you know, like, Bruh. so much. And so I remember one of the new owners, like, reached out to me because he had heard about me from AD and from my friend Linda, who were still putting in good words for me there of what I had done and helped build. And he asked me to dinner. You know, he, he found my number and he was like, you know, can you, I don't know if this restaurant even exists anymore, but there was this uh, restaurant, I think, I think it was called like Beso and it was in Hollywood. And he was like, can you meet me for dinner? And I met him there and he was like, I want to bring you back. So then, Damn. you know, two to three months later, I ended up going back yep. to the station. And then, you know, I helped them launch this old school format that mm-hmm. was the brainchild of AD and was, a you know, yeah. an amazing change for the station. And um, and then it's still to this day. I worked there till I left. Man. But yeah. So hold on. Before I, before we get into you leaving to go to Houston, I want to I want to say I don't think I, ever, I don't think we ever talked about that. I, I mean, we've talked about it. But during this whole time, I remember this specifically. Right. And I think it's important for people to know because a lot of people don't like a lot of people know you as the personality and whatever, but you really look out for your friends. Absolutely. Like, thank you. You know what I'm saying? Like people that that that, that you like that you care. I mean, everybody in general, but your friends like you really look out and take care of them. So I remember this one time I was going to Vegas and my phone got turned off because I was broke. Mm-hmm. I had no money. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was what it was. So I was trying to go to Vegas for some kind of opportunity. It was a conference or some shit. And at this point, we like I said, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm a, yeah. I'm a DJ. At this time, I don't think I was a DJ nah, yet. You weren't even a DJ. I was, no, just, I was just a radio DJ personality. Yet. Like, I was just trying to be a personality. Right. And people thought I was funny or whatever. So I was like, all right, I'm trying to be a personality. And before the DJ and shit, so what happened was... It was like some kind of phone, bootleg phone I had, and it got cut off because I couldn't pay the bill. And my checking account for, for all the college students that listen, that listen to us, y'all know what the overdraft shit looked like. You know what I'm saying? So my shit was overdrafted like $200, right? My checking account was overdrafted like $200. And my bill, my cell phone bill was like $80, $80 or some shit like that. Or no, it was like $65, but it was cut off. And what's crazy is... I was like, I think we were talking on, I think I was at home. I was on like Google Messenger or. It had to be AIM. AIM or something. AIM. It was AIM. AIM. My old AIM AIM was Debbie Dev LA. It had to be AIM. I think it was AIM. And we were talking on AIM. And you were like, yo, what's up? What's going on or something? And I was just, and you was like, no, what's going on? And I wouldn't really tell you. And then like, you kind of like got it. I mean, like, yo, what's going on? I'm like, well, I'm trying to do this, and I got to go to Vegas. And she's like, Dev, Dev is like, hey, like, what do you mean? You you have to have a phone. That's how you make money. You you can't work if you don't have a phone. Right, right. And at this point, I'm, I didn't have a job. Like, like I was just out here trying to figure it out. So I'm doing odds and ends like she was trying to figure it out. So <laughs> what's, we talking on, on AIM, and I'm like, I told her what was up. Basically, my phone is cut off. I ain't got shit. I don't have no money. I don't have no nothing in the account. Mm-hmm. I done already went to Coinstar four times. <laughs> you you maxed out your resources. Resources are <laughs> gone. Right. Shit is fucked. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, look. Um, basically, I, I, I'm overdrafted, and she's like, well, look, send me a, send me your account number, 
and 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 we'll and we'll get your phone cut back on. I'm like, nah, I can't do it. She's like, nah. She's like, what? Like, why? What's the problem? How much is your phone? I'm like, sixty five, seventy bucks. What is the problem? And so I finally told her, look, my checking account <laughs> draft is. If you send, if you send, if you send me seventy dollars, she gonna suck. That right shit up. gonna get sucked right up because my shit is overdrafted two hundred. She says, send me the account number, and don't worry about it. I'm like. What do you mean? So I'm thinking like, okay, whatever. So I send her the account number, and but did she hit me back? It was like, all right, check your account, pay your bill, and then we never have to talk about this again. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So I check my account. She deposited three hundred dollars in my fucking checking account. Right? <laughs> you got an extra twenty. Just now when you, you know when you like twenty something, <laughs> right? That means the world. Like us, like she didn't even yeah. she when we talked about it afterwards, she didn't even remember she did this. Yeah. That shit. I've, I've never I'll never forget that. Like in my life. So that's like one of them things that stand out to me to where it's like mm. that shit meant like I'm talking about that shit meant that shit damn near like, you know, my dad coming back into my life. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what, what I'm saying? Who's this nigga? That's your dad. Oh my gosh. You Shut know what I'm saying? Hug me. You know what I'm saying? So that that's it meant that much to me. I was like, fuck, dog, she really like fuck with me. Like nah, yeah, I mean, but it, it goes to show like that's and, and for the again, for the people that just see the radio personality, the host. They don't necessarily know the person. That's the type of person that you are. And I think that that's why not only that we jail, but the people that are closest to you, they fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? Because you really, you really, really care about your friends and you'll do things like that's off the books, off the records that nobody has to even see. She didn't even remember. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, in her mind, it's tapped out. That's, that well, didn't even happen. Because I think... <sighs> And especially at that time, it, it was just magic. It was magic in Los yeah. Angeles then. And I think we were all so connected, yeah. like our circle, because we all felt this energy that something was about to get taken to the next level. Mm-hmm. And also, we were so passionate. Like, our hearts were good. Like, right. none of us were like, we want to do this yeah, so right. people can know who we are. Right, Look at me. Right, right. It was like, we, we want to be a part of something that feels this right, mm-hmm. and we want to work. And I think that was it. It's like... You know, that energy, I had extra at that certain time. There were plenty of times that I didn't have a pot to piss in. Right. That no, I, we shared food. Yeah. yeah, like literally, it's like, okay, can we come up with 75 cents to Just get this to Del get, Taco right, special? Because right. they had 39 cent tacos 39 at the cent time. Tacos. Like, <laughs> we you know, split, like, we done broke bread. <laughs> yeah. Taco and it's like, at this time, I, I had a little bit more. And so um, it was like, you know, when you hit me, like you gotta work. Like you're destined to be a star. Like you can't not have this opportunity yeah. because you won't have the ability to contact people. Like right. we gotta figure this shit out. Yeah. And at some point, you know, like I know just energetically, like you are gonna always look out for me. Right. You right. know? Right. Um and I think too, like I remember I told you, like, we don't have to ever speak of this again. Yeah. So don't bring it up. Because I also didn't one, I didn't want people asking me for money. Right. I didn't want it to be you know, I didn't oh, want them to be it. like, yo, Deb she, she turned on my phone right for me yeah. and then all of a sudden like right. you know but the then also know. <laughs> like I didn't want Head to feel like he was indebted to me yeah. it's like I happen to have it this month so yeah. now you have it right. but you don't owe me shit yeah. you know and you don't have to feel a certain kind of way when you come around me like I'm owed anything like I did it and now it's done and let's fucking grind yeah. you know and I, and I think that at that time like all these relationships are building you know what I'm saying you, you're you doing early interviews with people that are, are gonna be obviously stars down the line you're making connections with and I don't even think we spoke about this time because even uh, Wendy Williams was in LA and you met Charlemagne the God obviously yeah. at, around that time so you're building these relationships with these people and then you leave LA yeah 
Well, well, hold on. Before you go to that, because um, I actually brought this up to Charlemagne. Um, I remember when you 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 introduced him to to us, and we didn't know who the fuck he was. Like we was like, oh, this is a friend of Charlemagne. He's dope. Like, ooh, like he does this and that. And at the time, I didn't put two and two together until he just recently told the story. Like he wasn't being paid, like yeah. really for this shit. You know what I'm saying? So it used to always it, back in the day. I think when um, he used to like come and crash like at the crib or whatever, like. That type of shit to me, it was like, well, he's on the radio. Like you'd automatically like how people he look on. at like look at this. Like, yeah. oh, check this on the radio. Like, of course he, you know, why would he need to sleep at the homie house? Right. That type of yeah. shit. <laughs> so, so like that was kind of crazy to me. But shout out to Charlamagne. I just want to yeah. point that out. It, and you know what? I, God, I love Charlamagne so much. Like words can't even do justice to just the type of person I think he is, he's and, just like and you. who he's been Bo- in my life. Yeah, both of y'all are like y'all solid. He, thank you. He, he. I mean, yeah, he's incredible. He's given me so many opportunities that have just blown my mind. But you give them interns, right? Oh God! <laughs> don't believe, I was, I was don't believe what he says in the my book. Ass off when I see that, he's like, yes, what out so many Such a interns. predator. Um, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, right? No. So he, at that time, like there was a small amount of time that our radio station went a hundred percent syndicated. Mm-hmm. So it was they got, they cleared out every personality, and so. It was Steve Harvey in the morning. Mm-hmm. It was Wendy Williams in middays. It was Monique. Michael. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Monique. In afternoons, which eventually that only lasted a month. Yeah. And it turned into Michael Basin in right, afternoons. Right, 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 right. And then it turned into Keith Sweat at yeah, night, yeah, right? Yeah. So it was a crazy Well, Charlamagne was time. on Wendy Williams show. He yeah. was on Wendy Williams show. And so at that time, um, I was like the local producer. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of work to to keep the station syndicated all day. So, you know, we would send stuff to them and I'd be coordinating with whoever the person was and running her boards mm-hmm. and keeping the time on track and whatnot. And they had come in town for an event. And so me and Charlemagne had struck up a conversation. Now, before that time, we couldn't stream other radio stations mm-hmm. at that moment mm-hmm. in time in history. So I had heard of Wendy Williams right. because she had been on like VH1. She had a book out like Wendy's Got the Heat. Right. But I didn't know who she was. Right. I didn't know who any New York radio personalities were. Yep. Um, and so, like, me and him just hit it off in the studio, and then we'd always communicate on MySpace or on text. Yeah. So I'd be like, I would send him a message on MySpace and be like, oh, the, you know, y'all show is running over by, like, five minutes. Make sure you do such just and looking such. Out, looking out, yeah. And then he would always start shouting me out. He'd be like, oh, Wendy, we got to hold up because Debbie Dev out in Los Angeles wow. said da-da-da. And so I was like, oh, my God, this is so yeah, cool. Like, crazy, you know. yeah. And when he would come to town, you know, he'd be like, yo, can I like crash at your place? And I'd be like, sure. Like, and it's funny because when I read his book, like he was talking about how at that time, like he had no money and he didn't know how he was going to do this. Like, I didn't know any of that. It was just like, cool. Like you need something. Let's do it. You know? And so he would crash at the house. I would let him like borrow my car while I was at work to go on auditions. And I was like, just make sure you're back by five so I can leave. Um, But he's one of the people who... I would collect all like my mixtape collections. So I would like every time something new came, I would get doubles for him mm-hmm. and I would save like, okay, the new strong arm steady came out. Bishop wow. Lamont just came out. Okay. Like yeah. no sleep till NYC. Yeah. Like K dot J rock just came yeah. out or rocket or Maestro yeah, yeah. or glasses or, wow. you know, all these people. And then I would give him a bundle of CDs and Charlemagne is such a lover of the culture yeah. and a lover of music. And he really respected West coast hip hop. Mm-hmm. So he would listen to, 
to all of it, and then he would shout everybody out on the radio. Right. So he would be on the on the Wendy Williams so show, syndicated. and he'd be like, "Yo, my sis Debbie Dev out in LA just sent me the new Crooked Eye, wow. or just sent That's me that crazy. the homie Crondon." Or so he was starting to help, kind yeah. of like give people credibility in other places. It was a nationally syndicated show, right? Um, and so he's one of the people that I would make sure, like, and he was like, "You know, who's this?" I'm like, "Oh, it's this kid named K Dot." Like, you gotta listen. And he'd be yeah. like, "Oh, I fuck with this. Like, I fuck with J Rock." You know, and when he would come back to LA, I would make it a point to be like, "Come with me to these hole in the wall yeah, shows." Right, yeah, right. So that's how, like, you know, everybody, you know, we all met and whatnot. But I would be like, "Oh, this is Charlemagne the guy, right, and he's right. doing this, and he's doing that, and you know." So he was a he was like really there to like observe this kind of special moment in West Coast music history too. Yeah, and it, and it was you got to think this is before shit was going viral. Like this is before yeah. oh. this is before, before viral. I mean, yeah. Social media was there the early days of Twitter and shit like that, but it wasn't like what it, it is. is now. Yeah, you know no. what I'm saying? You but couldn't... like the very early days of Twitter where you couldn't even like there was no technology to post a photo on Twitter. Okay. There wasn't you know even I mean? TwitPic at this time. There wasn't even TwitPic. That's like crazy, yeah, dude. That's yeah. It. The um okay so all that happened. You end up getting an opportunity. Well, you end up going to Houston. You leave. Yeah. You leave. Which and you was abandon like, what us. the fuck? And we, yeah. Yeah. Debbie's leaving the West Coast. She's leaving the West Coast. <laughs> the you- pillar. One of the pillars out here of this new shit. And Crazy. Niggas got to hold this shit up without her? Like, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, <laughs> hey, no, yeah, think like all the, Oh, shit. I got to pull my own I weight. Gotta, <laughs> I got to pull my own weight. I got to pull my own weight. And that's yeah. these skinny niggas. Yeah. So yeah. You know what Yo, I'm saying? Do you remember, too, before I left, I had a going away Blue party. Monkey. Yeah, the Blue Monkey. Hell yeah. Blue Monkey and all Everybody, of LA hip hop came out like up. that. Amazing. I remember I had texts dot and I was like hey will you um, would you come perform at my thing right because I think at that time he had just had the Kendrick Lamar EP, EP out yeah, right, right. so there was no like uh, there was no like overly dedicated no, or yeah it was the, Kendrick Lamar EP yeah and so. You know, he was like, yeah, big homie, I got you. He was like, can J-Rock and Schoolboy and Absol perform too? Hell yeah. And I was cool. like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, he was like, yeah, they, they want to come too and perform. And I was like, yeah, like, wow. let's do it. And you and I performed yep, yep. Thursday and Y.O. And, and yeah, and we had a lot of people DJ, but it was crazy. So they came and and they performed and I had this like big send off. You had the first, had the first black hippie show ever. That was yeah. that's true. That's crazy. That is wild that's crazy. to think about, right? It's so funny too because I didn't even know. Like I remember at one point they were all there and then everybody disappeared. I was like, where the hell did these TD TDE dudes go? Yeah. Where is everybody? <laughs> and I remember like maybe. Seven years later, I was interviewing schoolboy somewhere else, and he was like, "Yeah, remember at your going away party, we got in this big fight. ass fight outside, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we started doing such and such." And I was like, "There was a fight. fight? Yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. what happened?" <laughs> that shit was crazy. Um, but so you 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 take this opportunity out there uh, to to Houston, yeah. Um, I mean, talk about that. Why? Why was it? I mean, being being from LA and being doing what you love out here. Obviously, yeah. the ups and downs, but you you still you're still staying afloat. And a lot of people, when especially when you look at the radio, LA, New York is where it's at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for you, why was it important to say, you know what? Let me take this leap. So I think there were two big reasons that I had to be really sober-minded about, which was, one, I needed money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And two, I needed more experience. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for kind of what I wanted to do, right before that time, 
like a lot had changed where I was working and we did go all old school and they decided to pull all personalities for one year and only do music, yeah. which was incredible for the station. Mm-hmm. Like it built this cult like appreciation and following for right. the station and the music. But for somebody who is 25, I think at the time I was still 24, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to just interview Big Daddy Kane. Right. Like I want to interview him for right. sure, but also have a chance to do my passion, which yeah. is new artists and new music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was just like, I felt like I had to make a choice. And, and I thought if I stay here in the form that it is now, like it's going to be me pressing pause mm-hmm. on building myself for a certain amount of years till they're ready to like re-plug me in and do yeah, everything. Right, right. And you know, I remember one day I was sitting at my desk and God spoke to me so loud. And there's probably about five times that he's like literally yelled at me to the point where I was like, okay, like, yes, Lord, you know? And that day I remember he yelled at me and he said, if you don't leave now, you never will. And I can't give you what I have for you. Damn. And he literally said, get up and walk out. And that like booming God voice, get up. Are Devin, you serious? walk out. Yeah, you swear like to God. Theo? Get up, dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> walk out now. And I remember I told my homie Trayvon, I was like, Shout out to Smith, right. I like, I quietly started packing my stuff. And well, putting, you're literally at work right now, and you're like, okay, I yeah. hear this voice. I hear God. Let me. Not dip. only am I at work, we had just had a concert of 12,000 people the night before that I hosted by myself. And I was emailing the blogs all of the recaps and the pictures to get us placements. Early days of the blogs, by the way. Early days of the blogs. Damn. And so as I I finished sending all of my emails out to get placements and looks on these blogs, and that's when God talked to me. And so I quietly started putting all of my like belongings and collections in a box. And I logged out of my computer and I called Trayvon, who was in the studio, and I was like, I need you to help me to my car. You know, and so he walked over and I was like, just walk straight. Don't stop. Just take this stuff downstairs for me. okay?" And he was like, all right, I got you. I like gave him my keys and he put the stuff in my car and I walked in my friend, my boss's office. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't give you a two week, two week notice, but I quit. What? Yeah. And I walked out. And at that's that, crazy. And I, had, I never knew. I've that. never heard this story. I've never really. Knew that. I, no. I had no plan because like, I didn't know. I mean, I think, like, in my dreams, I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll go be on, you know, Power 106, or I don't know. So the offer wasn't on the table. This, you have nothing at this point. Oh, I point. had nothing. Wow. Not only did I have nothing, like, we had just got paid our last check two days prior. So that meant I had no check coming. Hell no. That also meant I had no unemployment because I didn't get fired. I quit. I quit. So I, and I, you know, I drove to North Hollywood to my apartment, and I was just like... Oh, I got what the fuck. What do I no, do? You know, and what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. And so at that point, you know, I, I, I kind of went back to like what I was, you know, some of my side hustles and I'm like, all right, let me write bios. Let me help people with their websites yeah. or let me, you know, reach out to blogs Make for people. Meets, and yeah. yeah, I ate one can of SpaghettiOs a day. Mm. And again, my, my dear, 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 dear friend and brother, Mar Brown, um, he was like, you know, come meet me for lunch. Like, I think my birthday had just happened. I didn't work for three months. Yeah. And, and he was like, come meet me for lunch and I'll, I'll take you to lunch. And he was just like, have you ever thought about moving to Houston? I was like, what? 
Houston, I don't know. I had gone once for like the I went for like the core DJ retreat or it was like Ozone Weekend a couple years prior and it was cracking. You know, I I ran into all my LA homies out Out there. there. You know about that infamous trip to the strip club. My first time in a strip club, Onyx. My God. Um, (laughs) but yeah, but I was like, I don't know, you know, and he was just like, listen, like, you know, the program director out there, like she's dope, she's good people, and they just last week let go of like four of their on-air personalities like I think it was like the night guys who were a group and then their midday person Damn. and I was like okay and he was like here's her email address like I'll put in a word for you send your air check and I was like oh my god so I remember like I sent my air check and I sent her an email with like my one sheet and you know this is who I am this is what I do and even though I was like hella popping in LA and I did have all this experience I didn't have that much on full time on air experience in terrestrial to be on you know a a top 10 market radio station but for me I felt like I'm not going to go anywhere that's not top 10 not Mm -hmm. coming from LA you know Um, and so she she didn't get back to me because she got a lot of candidates this station was a big deal and so I hit up my old boss AD and I was like can you put in a word Yo, for me? I need the to same person I quit with, yeah. right? And he you was like, "Walked out on my shit, <laughs> right, <laughs> right." That's like, you know what I'm saying? But hey, but uh, you know what? One thing I just forgot to tell you. Uh, <laughs> can I just get this live real quick before? But the kind of person he is, and and him knowing my heart, like he picked up the phone and he called her, and he was like, "Listen, I want to put you, like, I I got this girl. She's really talented. Like, I would love if you could listen to her air check." And you know, she really respected that coming from one of her peers mm-hmm. he helped me like redo my air check and I sent it to her and she flew me out to Houston and I did my audition and then she flew me back again and I did another audition and then she offered me the job and, and offered to move me to Houston and I was scared shitless because all I knew was LA and right. I, I'm one of those obsessive people about California like yeah, yeah. like I have like LA tatted right, like right, right. I love Los Angeles and even outside of the music, like just even if I worked at McDonald's, like I love Los yeah, Angeles, yeah, right, right, you know right. what I mean? Like Southern California. And I didn't know not one person in Houston. Mm. The one person I knew moved to L.A. Like the what? same the week before I moved to Houston. Get the fuck out of so here. So I didn't know not one single soul. Not one person. And I'm a woman yeah. moving across the country, moving herself By across yourself. the country yeah. alone. And, you know, I don't know anybody, but I just remember thinking I'm 25. I don't have kids. I'm not in a serious relationship. Like, if I fail, I can pick oh, myself back, back up. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of life ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Let me try. What do I lose by trying? Right. So my, my main objective in my mind was I signed a two-year contract. I said, in my mind, I thought I'd only be there a year. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm going to stay here for two years, and I'm going to save my money. Because they paid me really well. Mm-hmm. And I was getting paid really well for the first time in my career. Right, right. You know, without having to do 100 side hustles mm-hmm. to supplement my income. And you're living in, in Houston, which I'm assuming is <sighs> definitely different than L.A. in terms of like the... What? Yeah. I went from living in... An apartment in North Hollywood that was the size of a sardine can mm-hmm. like for mine. double the price. <laughs> that's crazy. That's the shit I'm in. Yeah, that's yeah. the shit I'm in right now. Go so ahead. moving into an apartment in Houston that was half the price that I had a den, mm. uh, you know, a bedroom, a giant master bath. Wow. I had a balcony. I had a laundry room, wow. an actual room with a washer and a dryer that I opened the door and walked into. Like, wow. it was just space to me. Like, yeah. whoa. You know? And um, so I, I, I thought to myself, I'm going to stack. 
I'm going to save all my money. Any money I make from commercials or endorsements is going into my bank account. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I bought a car cash, so I didn't have like a, a car note. I didn't have like bills. a lot of outstanding bills. Yeah. Like I got bootleg cable. Mm-hmm. So it was a one-time payment of $75. Yeah, like, you, you know, <laughs> so I was like, cool. Like I'm, my focus is to stack and get back to LA. Mm-hmm. I was so scared, you know, it was, I was so depressed for the first few months too, because I was excited about the opportunity and my gig, but I had no one. Right. You know, I didn't I have a soul. I had out there alone doing like going so, through all of that alone. So how long are you out there before you meet Dwayne? So here's what's crazy. And this is how God works too. It's like, you Your know, I, I had to go out there for a reason. Right. And so. What's funny is I had come back to L.A., I think, for the BET Awards. And, or I had come back to L.A. for my birthday. Okay. And I had re-met Sway while I was mm-hmm. out here. And the universe is amazing. That same week, yeah, the same week, first Charlemagne calls me. And he says, I just had a dinner meeting with someone that works at MTV. Open your computer, send like your picture, your air check, and information about you to this email address. Shout out to my now friend, Tiffany, who was the exec putting together this show. And he was like, send her all of this stuff. I just told her about you. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, right, like yeah. I'm sitting in my living room in Houston. And this is like maybe 10 months since I've been out there. Mm-hmm. And so I send her everything. And I'm like, cool. Then I come to L.A. for my birthday. And I rerun into Sway. And me and him strike up this conversation. And we actually, my girl Bombay got us together for lunch. Shout out to my girl, April Bombay. Yeah. Oh, so many stories. that yeah, I, One of the other warriors yeah, over there. At we need a whole other yeah, podcast. Right. <laughs> um, so we're all at lunch at Bossa Nova. And this magazine cover comes out with Rick Ross on it. You remember that cover he did with no shirt? Yeah. And he, you know, he, he was bigger than he is now. Yeah. So he had them things. Yeah, the things hanging. You know? Yeah. And so we were talking about that cover at lunch and I'm like, man, Rick Ross has like beautiful breasts. <laughs> you know, like. Because <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> and Sway just starts cracking up and he's like, who are you? He's like, have you ever thought about doing radio? That's crazy. You know what's crazy? <laughs> and I was like, what's crazy? He was like, yo, I'm, I'm actually starting a radio show. He was like, no one knows about it yet, but I want you to be my co-host. Wow. And I was like, what? Ten months in <laughs> being in Houston, coming so back to imagine, LA. Like, yeah. I could have, if I could have thugged it out, I would have never gone to Houston because I could have just stayed in L.A. And, and, you know, because I missed a lot by moving Mm -hmm. like that year that I moved. Everybody took off that I had had a hand in helping or at least like celebrating. Mm -hmm. Everybody took off and I'm way over here. And I'm like the West Coast looking at the the party from afar. The West Coast finally getting shine and I'm not a part (laughs) of it. Like, oh, that that. Oh, that hurt. That hurt. You know, Um, but I I was meant to be in Houston. Um, So I was like, okay, well, you know, here's my info. Let me know. So I then have a birthday party in Houston at a club. I meet Dwayne there. He randomly came to the, your birthday? So, come to find out, he used to listen to me on the radio. Oh. Uh, he, he was what on is, it. Who is, uh, hey, shout out Dwayne. Dwayne Brown, he was stalking this prey. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> we out here. And, you know, he said that, you know, 
at that time, especially, it was it was really rare to like have content online and to go viral and to be on the blogs like as a personality. It was it was pretty rare. Not yeah. that many people were doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those people who would, my interviews would always end up on the blogs and go like viral for the time. So he said that he had been listening to me on the radio and had also like seen my stuff online and thought I was dope. Like he's a hip hop head. Mm -hmm. So he was like, you know, he thought I was dope and he was like, I really liked your voice. Mm -hmm. And he was like, so I Googled you and then I really liked your picture. Oh shit, she actually looked good. (laughs) You know, radio motherfuckers. Oh God. So he, so he showed up at my birthday party, which we have been talking about on social media. And he had started following me, and so he introduced himself to me at my birthday party. He was like, "Hey, what's up? Like, I follow you on Twitter. Like, I'm Dwayne." Crazy. And, and he I was just, just walked like, up to you. Yeah. Well, my girlfriend had walked me by him because mm-hmm. um, there was this thing called like the what is it called? Like the money line that you do on your birthday out there, where everybody comes up and pins you with money on your birthday. Oh, okay. Kind of like the wedding, but yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it was called like a money tail because it's supposed to like drag on the floor. Oh, okay. So she had taken me through all the sections of this club so that people could pin money on me. Oh shit! And so like she brought me up and he was like, "Oh hey, what's up?" Like you know. And so we had started talking that night, and then I think we didn't exchange information, but we ended up exchanging information like a few weeks later. And we went out to we went out to the Tribe Called Quest documentary for our first date. Oh wow! And then he was like, "Yo, have you ever heard of this dude named Kendrick Lamar?" Like, he was like, "He has this project, like overly dedicated, like <laughs> he's trying to put like, you up on like, uh, no, not overly dedicated. <laughs> it was uh, um, no, was it? No, yeah, yeah it, was it was overly, overly dedicated. dedicated. Yeah, yeah. The EP. So he was like, "Here, listen to this," we'll and put he like you on to put it on the play in the car, and I was like, "Nigga, like, like, yeah. <laughs> let me show you, let me show you these pictures, whatever, you know." But I was like, "Okay, he on it, like you know, he knows what's up." So, um, yeah, and after that, we were like, we were inseparable. It was my first year in Houston, and then I get the call about the TV show. Fuck. And they're like, fly to Houston, we want you to do a screen test. I mean, fly to New York, York, we want you to do a screen test, you know, such and such, like, we're going to move forward with the show. That same week, I hit Sway, like, hey, I'm going to be in New York, York. like, let's get up. And he was like, launch my show with me, my show launches this week. What? He was like, he was like, I know, you know, we still got to figure out like the co-host thing and and the money. He was like, but just come launch my show with me this week. He was like, I think we could kill it. And I was like, oh my god, fucking serious? Yeah. So I took my vacation time and I went out for the first two days to do the MTV screen test, and then um, I got on his show and I launched his show and I did mornings with him for the whole week. Was there any conflict conflict of interest? Because I I know that's that's uh, not terrestrial. It's satellite. Yeah, not so much because like I think terrestrial doesn't, you know, like they're like, ah, we're terrestrial. We don't care about satellites. So a lot of people were able to do both but also it was a time before Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like I think Instagram had just started. I didn't have an iPhone at the time so I didn't have it. Only for the iPhones. I remember that. And so like news wasn't traveling as fast Mm -hmm. so even though i did that in new york people didn't really like at my station know about it right you know what i mean i told my program director about it i was like hey and she was like oh that's a good look for you like cool um and so then like you know i get a call like a week later excuse me that um the mtv show is looking like a go like you know how how soon can you be out here? Or, you know, they they were thinking like, oh, we could even fly you once a week from Houston. But I was like, F that. Like, let me go full force. I'm Hell moving yeah. to New York. Right, right, right. And then Swain ended up hitting me like, man, we want to like give you a deal. Like, we want to make you an offer. Like, you were incredible with us. It, like, because me and him had 
insane chemistry on so that you show just together. Go from zero to a hundred on the New York shit, real quick. Like that, everything yeah. fell into place. And so I talked to my program director, and she let me out of my contract. Really? Thank God. And, and this was uh, a ten, was it 10, 11, 12 months in, or at this point? This is like maybe my eleventh month in Houston. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And my initial vision was, I'm only going to be here a year. Yeah, I knew yeah. I had a two-year, but in my mind, for whatever reason, that had popped up. I definitely never so saw myself. I up and moved. Again. I, I put... Again. I gave all of my furniture away because I didn't have like the money to really facilitate like a, a long-distance move like that. Right. I didn't have an apartment, so I didn't know like what well, I was going to do when right, I lived there. Right, yeah. So I gave all my furniture away. I put everything else in boxes in a storage unit, and then I packed up four things of Tupperware and um, like you know those bins yeah. and I shipped it to myself shipped it to the radio station like UPS get the fuck out and, of here yeah and I sold my car and I found a cheap flight and I flew to New York one way ticket one way ticket yeah and at that time you know I didn't have like I stayed with Charlemagne for a little bit in Jersey and then um, one of my one of my dear friends one of my old friends um oldest friends, I should say, uh, DJ EQ and Talib Kweli lived in Brooklyn. Wow. And so they let me live with them. <laughs> I love how you, these are your dear friends. Like, these Wait, are homies. You, you lived with Talib right. Kweli? Yeah. These so, are homies. Now, why I didn't know that you right. lived with Talib Kweli? That's, that's not normal. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I lived with them for two months you know, I'm just, you um, know. in Park Slope, Brooklyn. And, mm. and at that time... Um, he had this like amazing brownstone in Park Slope, and I stayed in his son's room. So I, <laughs> every okay. night I was sleeping on a twin bed surrounded by like dinosaurs, and, you know, like all this different hey, stuff. Did you ever wake up like, yo, this shit crazy? What the, the, yeah. no, no, the, yeah. the thought is, how the fuck did, did I get, get here? here? And yeah. why I'm in Talib Kweli's son's bed <laughs> yeah. right now with dinosaurs. dinosaurs and shit? Life was moving so fast, and <laughs> and I and you know, and I haven't had a chance to even tell them this, but I am so eternally grateful to DJ EQ was one of the most talented DJs and women who rep for the culture and yeah. like she's a legend yeah, you know absolutely. and Talib for for opening their home to me like yeah. of they course, didn't have to do that no yeah. and of course like I was a big fan of both of theirs right. and you know we have built a great relationship because they also live in LA and she and I had started this Ustream show I remember that. in their garage studio yeah. so she and I had been doing that like the year prior to me moving to Houston mm-hmm. and so when I Which needed sidebar you, you also had Black Hippie there yeah. too, I remember. I remember watching that particular show. Like, yo, she got all those people. I had in that Kendrick in the in the in the <laughs> garage doing a UStream freestyle in yeah. front of twenty five people. That shit was hilarious. <laughs> I was one of them twenty five. Um, yeah, and so we. So when I went to uh, New York, thank God they gave me you know the chance. They were like, I was like, I need somewhere to stay. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any time to find anything. And they're like, Yeah, come on. And so I just, I stayed there for a few months. And at that time, like, life was just weird for me then because, like, I had just fallen in love. Like, me and Dwayne met. I was about to say that. three weeks later, I moved to to New York. You know? And I was like, what? You know? And and two weeks in, we're both like, I love love you. you." Oh, wow. And so we're just like, we got engaged in two months, you know? And so at that time, it was really... And this is something for a whole nother podcast, but like spiritually and emotionally, I went through a lot because in a two year time span, less than two years in a 14 month time span, I went from living in L.A. to living in Houston, getting acclimated to that, to meeting someone, to moving to New York. Like my life was topsy turvy. I probably was not making a lot of the best decisions I could make because I like I was 
it was a lot, right. you know, and and I just had to hit the ground running. So I would stay in Park Slope and I would sleep in my little twin bed surrounded by, you know, Dinosaurs. a T-Rex. And <laughs> then I would get on the train, which I'd never in my life ridden a subway. Mm. And I'd get on the train and I'd catch it, you know, to to Manhattan and I would go to work and then I would go into the morning show and then I would walk down the street and I would go to MTV and then I would get on the train and I would come back. And then every Friday at noon when I was done for the day, I would catch a cab to LaGuardia and I would get on a flight to Houston and I would stay with Dwayne in Houston until Sunday night, a red eye, I'd catch it to New York. And then Damn. Monday morning, I would start it again. And it was a lot. But you know what it sounds like? And, and like you said, the universe works in amazing ways. God works in extremely amazing ways. You did all of that prior to that. You know what I'm saying? Before before yeah. doing that, we were talking about earlier how you lived from city to city in L.A. And, and when you were doing radio, doing the same thing. I think God was preparing you for this type of lifestyle. Yeah. And now it's to the extreme level. But I think that going through those situations prior definitely helped you go through it at a, a much greater scale with, with the whole New York move, you know, from, from L.A. to Houston to, to New York. Yeah. And within the industry and falling in, you know, falling in love and things like that. How, for you, going through that, what, did you have any reservations as far as becoming into a relationship? Like, what was your mindset with that? Like, knowing that you had to move, just getting into it with this guy, like, yeah. I love you, but I got to move. And, you know, what were the reservations there? And how was he receptive to that information? It was so, it was so different because I think, like, up until that time, I had never let love slow me down. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought of myself more like a, this is going to sound ridiculous, but kind of like a stallion mm-hmm. in like a field like I was just like I'm running <laughs> like you know what I mean like I'm glorious with my main phone and I'm like oh, like just running right. you know and my biggest the thing that was the most important to me was my career mm-hmm. so of course I dated but I wasn't like in love with right. anybody and you know I didn't I used to have like this this thing about me where I felt like the second you started to care about me I would run away. Really? And I'd be like, oh, I don't think that this is going to work. So relationships, or... early in the day, relationships, mm-hmm. you would find, would you would you find an excuse or did you just, would you naturally just become unattracted to somebody? Both. Mm-hmm. You yeah. should have came to me. I gave the best relationship advice. The worst. Jeez. The worst. <laughs> like, you'll make people, like, really ruin their lives with your advice. No! <laughs> the the shit so you do bad. work for you. They don't work for everybody. It's it does so work for me. It works for me. It works for me. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, when I met him, initially, I was just like, okay, like, he's cool, but... This ain't, you like, know, career. Not, Keep I it gotta, going. Like, yeah, I gotta focus, you right. know? Um, and then we start hanging out, and I felt something I had never felt before. And, you know, we, we just became so tight so fast. Yeah. And, you know, I remember two weeks in, he uh, he was like, I love you. Whoa. And I was like, What? And I and I remember like I responded back like thank you. <laughs> he was hot. He was hot. He I was appreciate hot. your request. And yeah. Just want to let like, you know. Who says thank you? And wow. I was like, me. I don't know what you. I don't know how I feel. Like I don't know what you want me to say. Like yeah. I know I need a move. Yeah. I don't know what's like happening. And and then I remember it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like maybe a week later, this song came on in the old school R and B station, and I was like. <gasps> Him, yeah. I was like, oh my god. Okay, let me stop putting all these walls up. Let yeah. me stop always fighting against. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And I was like, let me just put the walls down and and give it a chance because I had never really 
like I had never had a long term relationship right. before that. I had never really given anybody a like a real. I hadn't given myself a real chance at that. I was just too focused, and so I was like, okay. And and you know, I remember I was like, oh, you know, I love you too, and everything just took off. But I knew I had to move, and yeah. so in my mind, I was thinking. I'm going to go to New York and, you know, when we see each other, we see each other. But we're not like in a full time relationship, you know, because it, it'll be impossible. Right. And I remember he was like, oh, no, nah, this is going to work. Like, <laughs> oh, no, this shit is happening. Make he this was shit like, work. Oh, this I came to happening. the club to get your ass. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, we go together. We're exclusive. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, all right, I'm going to follow your lead. Like, let's go. You know, and and so I just it was a long distance thing. And, and we got engaged a couple months later, but we were long distance for a year. And then we got married. And I would imagine him, you know, obviously him playing football, like he was already prepped for that life of having to be from yeah. city, city to city, city, state to state. Yeah. So whoever was in that had to be within that same mental space. And for for him, I think him seeing you, and you can agree, you know, confirm it or not, him seeing you doing your own shit, having your own thing, and, like, not being the person that is just going to stay home and waiting, like, that probably was an attraction to him. Like, oh, shit, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was, yeah, I was definitely the shit. Like, I think. <laughs> I love it. I think for I sure. I that nigga, <laughs> for sure. Like, you know, and I think, and no disrespect to anybody that may have come before me, but I think I, I was kind of rare. Like, mm-hmm. I was something that he definitely hadn't experienced before. Right. Um, so I definitely think that that was a draw, you know. Uh, but I think it also, like, once our relationship got going, it was a hard area to navigate at first because I feel like when you fall in love, especially especially for someone like him who is very much like an alpha male very like aggressive like you I mean you guys know him yeah, sweet yeah. guy like Absolutely. great person like yeah. great energy great heart but he'll fuck you up like <laughs> he you know he's he's also a beast right. you know and I think that was kind of weird territory for us to navigate, especially the first year, because for the same reasons he was drawn to me, those were the same reasons he started to really resent this shit and be like, I don't want, I don't want the world to have you. You know what I mean? Kind of like, I know you're special and amazing. That's why I wanted your ass. (laughs) You come with me. But now I don't want, I don't want people having access to you. I don't want, I don't want you in front of all these dudes all the time. You know? So that, that was tough, at least for me, because I felt like, I felt really like defeated. Mm. I felt like, but this is who I am. Right. This is who I've always been. Like I have dreams. I have goals. And he was like, you don't need to work. And, and I was like, what? Mm. Like that was heartbreaking gotcha. to me. Cause I'm like, this is how, like, this is really how you met me. Right. It's not like we got together and all of a sudden I want to have my, I want to be on reality TV or I want to do this or, you know, it's like, which is still fine and people should be able to evolve and grow. But like I was really in these streets when we met, you know, and that was so hard. And I think as, as we grow, you know, he, and once we got to know each other more, he was like, oh, I get it. Mm. Like I get it. And I'm sorry. You know, How, how much time did it take for him to adjust to that? I think, I mean, he was able at least to intellectually adjust to it really fast because the first conversation we had, I was like, no, that's not going to happen. Like, don't, you can't ever tell me that I, I shouldn't be doing something that is my passion. If you have a right to go after your dreams, why shouldn't I have a right to achieve mine and be whoever God wants me to be, Mm -hmm. you know? And and he was like, no, I get that. Like my bad, you know? And then I think just 
we fell in love so fast. Mm-hmm. We got engaged and married so fast. Yeah. We didn't fully know each other. Right. We knew we loved each other. We knew there was something maybe on a like sacred contract soul level. Right. We were destined to be together, but we didn't really know each other. We were just going with the feeling, you know? And I think as we... The longer we stayed together and the more we got to know each other by heart and the real ins and outs and and what makes me tick and what makes him tick, it was just like, oh, yeah, like, I think you're so talented and I support you a thousand percent, whatever you do. Do you, you know? So now, OK, because we got to get out of here in a second. I want to. Yeah, you're going to have to make this like a three parter, right? I want shit. I want you to plug your That's all. <laughs> that. Go ahead. I want you to plug your shit. All right. Okay. So you became an author. You started writing yeah. a book. Right. Fast forward all the way till now. Okay. So you, real quick, let me say. I got fast one. Forward. I'm sorry. I, I got one question, and we'll we'll end the relationship on this, right? Okay. Did you have any reservations? Because you hear the stigmas of athletes and dating athletes. For you, walking into the relationship, was, was that something for you? Like, okay, I, I got reservations on possibly becoming in a relationship with somebody like that, or did you just kind of let the let the guards down, say fuck it? Yeah, I mean, I think at first in general, just kind of how I was from being a woman in a male-dominated industry, I was like, I don't want to be with nobody famous at all. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, like, right before him, I had been dating this dude who was, like, a teacher. Like, I wanted, like, a regular, schmegular (laughs) guy. That's what I want. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, at first, like, when he was first kind of pursuing me, I was like, nah, Mm -hmm. like, football player, er." So, I mean, that, that was another thing that was a part of the wall being up. It wasn't, it was more than, that that was a legitimate excuse for me at the time. You're still not being on with the relationship, but then you have this extra thing on top of that, like not be, not wanting to be with somebody that is of the industry or you know, public, yeah, yeah, public. Yeah, because well, and I think for me, just in, in my thinking at the time, I felt like it was just too much of a distraction, gotcha. a distraction for me being able to do what I need to do. Gotcha. Like I wanted to be able to turn off and we can be together and then right, I can be focused right, right. and not like this kind of more of a public life. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Don't you think that like like say, for instance, with the with the like with a, with the La La situation? Don't you? I'm not saying that it's right or whatever, but I'm saying, don't you think like. Don't you have an idea that this kind of come with the territory? Like when you date an athlete or a rapper or anybody in the industry, anybody in in the limelight. Don't is it does it because you a wife of a football player? So I'm like, and I never asked you that before. But don't that isn't that like something that comes with the stigma? What like infidelity or there might be chicks or there might be this or there might be that. I mean that. It gets publicized a lot, but I don't think you would ever imagine that comes with it. No, I'm saying with the so if I was a date like a, if I was a date a rapper like a female rapper or mm-hmm. a, or some I would automatically in my mind be prepared for that. Is that is that for wrong? that to happen? Not to happen, but I know that that's that's definitely like more of a possibility than the teacher. Um, in my opinion. Well, no, because I think anybody that's going to cheat, no matter your profession, especially in this day and age, you can always get ass like right. anywhere, especially yeah. especially with Instagram, mm-hmm. like. Anybody can slide the the dude that is picking up trash on the side of the road Somebody can slides hit. In DMs, like yeah, yeah, he can still slide in a DM of somebody if he's with another person. <laughs> it may not be as much constant attention, but there's always ass, mm-hmm. you know. I said um, that too. Food. I mean, it's easier to give ass than food. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really yeah I think. I mean, I think at least speaking for me, I can never speak for anybody else or their relationship. For me, that did not ever cross my mind, and I did not think that that was a possibility when we got together. Damn. All right. So, fast forward. I mean, you've at that point, you've 
You did the, the, the New York shit. Yeah, okay, okay. okay. So let me skip, because we yeah, got to wrap yeah, this yeah, up. Got, I know it's so long, but there's still so much to say. It, yeah. We're, we're going to flash forward for the next mm-hmm. five years. So after about a year, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can't be long distance mm-hmm. and married. Like, that was really hard. Right, right. And the show that I was doing for MTV, we did a full season of it, but then it didn't get picked back up for season two. So I was like, okay, I don't have that. And I was like, well, I can stay in New York, continue working on Sway's show, thug it out, find more TV opportunities. Um, but like our marriage, there's no way it would have survived right. if the first year we're married. We already didn't know each other that that well. So you're battling all these like, things. Like there's no anyway. chance we would have. We'd still be married today if I stay living in New York, mm-hmm. you know. And I think um, at that moment, that was the right choice for me. I had to. I absolutely had to choose my marriage and and a way for us to build it and and build the foundation. So that mixed with the fact that I really, really did not like the person who was programming. Um, that station at Sirius at the time, mm-hmm. like he was, and I, I believe he doesn't work there anymore. But he, he, at least to me and my understanding, he had a real issue with women, especially women with experience. Like wow. he was nicer to women that he thought he was building and molding. But if anybody came in there with any type of experience that could perhaps, I don't know, like I don't know, um, he had a problem with, and so he used to like be very disrespectful to me. Oh wow wildly disrespectful like yell in my face like touching my nose and his spit is hitting me in the face and I was like god damn like I can't be missing my husband (laughs) and be going through this every day like so I I walked away from that show and um, I walked away from New York and I moved back to Houston Houston, and you know just the way amazing timing is um, I moved back to Houston and I was just kind of focused on coming to LA for auditions and doing stuff here and then I got a call to be at the radio station that was launching in Houston by the amazing illustrious Doc Winner another another alley (laughs) from Charlemagne and um, I had a chance to help launch their amazing station 93.7 The Beat in Houston Mm -hmm. and then be a personality there so then for really the past several years, I've been um, on air in Houston and doing stuff out there. Yeah. But you walk away from that recently, right? You, you, yeah. That opportunity, you know, that that. But, but within that, you, you I want to talk about this journey because we've talked about throughout the whole theme of the show as far as the energy and universe and God. And it, it kind of goes into the theme of the book that you're going to be having um, that's uh, Crystal be available. Bliss. Crystal yes. Bliss. You, you launched your company, uh, Karma Bliss. Mm-hmm. I remember you were doing uh, a show out here. You were recording for one of your shows and you were telling me it right before you launched it, like, you're working on this. Give a people a little breakdown of what Karma Bliss is, um, how you got introduced to that side, because and, and, a lot of people have no clue about the, the crystals and yeah. that side of the world, and leading into the book that you have. So, unfortunately, everybody listening, um, we yacked it up for so long about some of our favorite subjects, right. like L.A. hip-hop. Yeah. We, I didn't get a chance to really kind of make you understand and lead you into this part of my life, but so spirituality has always been massively important to me. Um you know, I, I was walking through some tough times in the last few years. I, I went through like at least a couple bouts of what felt like real depression um, and, and just a, a lot of what's the word I want to use? A lot of um, just instability, like moving around so much and having your life change so dramatically back to back for years. Like. You know, inside you're just kind of up and down like a roller coaster. And I felt restless and I felt unsure and I felt like, 
Like, what what is life really? Like, right. what do I really want? Yeah. What Who do I really want to become? Like, there has to be more than just this entertainment world and this constantly, you know, hopping around. So I got really into meditation through going to a meditation retreat and which eventually led me to do that and, and, and join these different excursions for the next couple of years. And I ended up getting certified to teach meditation and to teach Vedic teaching. So a big part of my life is really a hundred percent wrapped around wellness, wrapped around spirituality, wrapped around self-discovery. Mm-hmm. I'm huge on self-discovery. I'm huge on asking myself those questions that are sometimes uncomfortable to get me through the deeper levels of who I am and, and find those answers and helping other people do those things. And a lot of it like intuitively, that's always been who I am. But then I also have more method and tools now to help other people do that. So I launched my company, Karma Bliss, which is all about connecting people with tools of self-discovery, getting people to meditate, you know, teaching people about crystals and, and all these different things that I've collected on my personal journey of the soul to aid myself. And in that, I got this amazing opportunity. Um, I did an article in New York Magazine. They interviewed me about my company, which led me to have this great opportunity to write a book about crystals and about Mm. meditation. And, you know, for me, a big thing has been like existing in these two worlds, existing in this world of entertainment, which is all I've ever known for my entire adult life. And existing in this world of like soul searching and self-discovery and divine connection that means so much to me and and trying to more easily bring those two worlds together i still have a hard time meditating I oh, yeah. i've never really tried that you shit. know what the thing is you just have to be i think it's hard for everybody at first in theory because we think it's so revolutionary to mm-hmm. sit still right and right. to like not do something it's to always be something going, especially living in Los Angeles. Like, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Even though it's a, you know, obviously way slower pace in New York, but it's still stuff going on, stuff going on, stuff going on. So it's hard to sit down. How yeah. did you sit down, and, and how were you able to navigate through that part? How were you able to sit down and really? I had to. I didn't have a choice. I was broken. Mm. You know, I felt really, really, really broken, and I felt really lost. I needed to hear something else. I needed to I needed to know more about why my journey was happening in the way that it's happening. Like we all have like crosses we bear. We all have you know things that sums of experiences that lead us to who we are in this moment and we all carry certain levels of pain due to mm-hmm those experiences and I think all of mine that I had been carrying from childhood to now all these different experiences finally I reached the point where I was like fuck like god I need something else like this is I can't you know like I'm always known for being strong Mm -hmm. I'm everybody's you know shoulder in my in my life and I'm everybody's psychologist or therapist in my life Mm -hmm. and you know there came a point where I was just like about me i'm all yeah i what need to be me, me too like yeah. i need a I need to fall too sometimes and 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 get support and you know and i was kind of in one of those moments where it just i was tired of being so strong and so helpful to people and the fixer of everybody else's life and issues and and loaning motherfuckers three hundred dollars oh whatever <laughs> and, I, and i didn't know and i didn't know what else to do and so you know a friend had recommended this like meditation detox and I was like fuck it like I need to find something something, right right. and I went there and it changed my whole life and this is how many years ago uh 
maybe five years ago. Five, yeah. Wow. And, and it changed my whole entire life. And once I started doing that, I mean, it's not to say that it's always easy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not always like the Dalai Lama, right, you right. know. Um, but you just got to kind of like push through it. Yeah. You, you just got to try to stay seated. And I think if nothing else, don't get up. Even if you start thinking of their thoughts, even if you get fidgety, just commit to yourself that for this 20 minutes, you're not going to open your eyes because the world is still going on. Right. Like it's you're still going to be able to scroll. You're right, still going to be right. able to check your phone. If you can wake up in the morning and sit on the toilet and 15 minutes go by because you're scrolling after you've already finished, yeah. like you can sit still and meditate, yeah, you know? And, and I think the biggest thing is when thought comes up, gently release the thought. When you start thinking about your to-do list or whatever else, you get anxiety in your chest, just say, I'm going to choose not to think about this right now. Just like when you're at work and you got to push something in the back of your mind, or just like when something agitating happens and you got to push it to the back of your mind, do the same thing same with your thing. thoughts while you're meditating. Now, when when did you get hip to the crystals like that? Because that's a, that's a whole different thing. I would imagine yeah. that's, you know, there's and you can kind of break it down briefly about there's stuff with good health there's stuff for you know energy there's things yeah. for like how, how when did you first get hip to that and obviously leading into the book and you'll give all the information in that as well I'm assuming yeah right? definitely okay. so I've always been into crystals since I was a little girl excuse me I didn't really know what they were but I was like drawn to them like you know Excuse me. You could ever go to those like um, like the museum, like the science museum, and uh-huh. they'd have like those little pouches of tumbled rocks right, when you're right, a kid, right, and you'd right. be like, oh, and they're yeah, all these different colors. I used to make fun of people with that shit. Oh, no, sorry for you. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. And so I, I, I used to always be into those, mm-hmm. and then I kind of forgot about it, and then I got really into it when I, I dived deep into my meditation journey, and you know, because I think a lot of things just kind of coincide, like a lot of like. When you're meditating, you're looking to open yourself up to things that are bigger than you and to be able to have energy poured into you and and release control. And I think that that goes really hand in hand the way of the seeker with many different things, including crystals. You know, you find yourself opened up to a lot of different tools and a lot of different ways of looking at the world and utilizing things. And so when I started doing that, I started getting like really, really into crystals and to their energy and to researching them, finding out how to utilize them. You know, I think even if like you're like, ah, that's too juju, like crystals can't, you know, what is this Harry Potter? (laughs) They're also beautiful, you know, and and it's a connection in nature. Mm -hmm. And the more we connect ourselves to nature, the better your life is, you know. All right, but Crystal Bliss. Crystal Bliss, it is available for pre-order now. You can go on my Instagram or my Twitter for the link. It's in my bio, Devi Brown, D-E-V-I brown on twitter and instagram and um yeah click the link you can pre-order it now and it'll be in stores october 3rd i'm gonna Mom's pre-order birthday. mines right now yay Dude, support for sure man it's so it's so good to uh not only call you radio host to you know author all of that but definitely our friend and we appreciate yes, you coming through i'm glad you. we got a chance to do this we're gonna have to do like this is so long. To, you yeah. gotta, you gotta make it a two parter. A two parter. Because I feel like someone's gonna look and they're like, two hours. Man, I'm not listening hey, to this. You be yeah. surprised. My mother's be listening. Though. Hey, it's crazy that I didn't. I didn't think people listen to, to but I listen that long. People and, listen. And people listen. Yeah. Was, well, especially traffic fact, out here. Shout out to everybody. I just showed Chuck something t- uh, today. Shout out to everybody. That listened to us on the iHeartRadio yeah, app. Please do that. Um, on iTunes, it. Google Play. 
And shout out to everybody that, that subscribed. Absolutely, man. It's Homegrown Radio. Chuck Dizzle, DJ Head. Thank you so much. Debbie Brown. Thank you, guys. And I want to say this, though, before before you hit the, before we stop, um, I love Dev. <laughs> I, don't really, I don't really love a lot of women like that, but Dev is one of them. I'm honored. Thank you. I love you, Head. I love you, Chuck. You guys are so dope. Love you, too. I am dope. Y'all are dope humans. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right, man, we out. <laughs>